Acts chapter 19, I'll be going there in just one moment, but I want to um, let you know that today I'm going, to, uh, I'm, I'm going to be setting some stuff up today uh, to help us um, over these next couple of weeks. So I'm going to be kind of starting a series, and um, whenever I start series, I never say it's a four or two or six weeks. I just go until I feel that it is finished. So uh, I'm going to be talking about the supernatural, ordinary people in a supernatural God. And we are in the middle of 100 Days to Glory. And if you are not in that uh, move with us, I encourage you, it's never too late. Go onto our website, LegacyRome.com. Click on 100 Days. You can download the reading plan. Uh, you can read more about it. We're, we're reading our word 100 minutes a week. We're praying for 100 minutes a week. Uh, we are being, uh, we're fasting and we're being generous uh, through this. And it's never too late. So go online and you can join in with us. But I just, we're in the middle of this 100 days, and it's important to know that uh, this 100 days to glory doesn't mean that on day 101, there's going to be some huge service or some clouds going to fall from heaven or there's going to be some type of climactic moment on day one. But these 100 days of glory is literally about preparation. It's, 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 it's preparing the bride for the groom. Uh, the, uh, the father is looking to return to a church that is spotless, uh, without blemish. Amen. He's looking for a holy church. Amen. He's looking for a people that reflect his goodness and his mercy. And these 100 days, uh, they are all about preparing us for what God wants us to do. It's preparing us, uh, the, the body of Christ, the church, legacy church, to see and to receive, to see his glory, and whenever it's in front of us, to actually grab hold of it and know what it is and receive his goodness. I don't know about you, but I want us, legacy church, I want us to be prepared for the supernatural, amen? I still believe in miracles. Anybody believe in miracles? I want the church to be prepared and know how to handle a miracle when it's in our midst. Amen. I, I want us to be prepared. I want, I not only want us to be ready on Sunday morning for the supernatural. But I want your homes to be ready for the supernatural. Whenever you have a sick child at night and you're praying over that, that baby, whenever you lay your hands on that child, I want that child to get up well. Amen. I want supernatural things to be happening in your home. Whenever you're praying for people in the marketplace, wouldn't it be amazing if you're praying for somebody in Walmart and they just drop their walker right there and walk right out of Walmart just praising the Lord. I I'm, I'm crazy crazy enough, I'm freaky enough to believe that it's still possible. Amen. And as I've been praying, we had an amazing time of prayer yesterday morning for our monthly Saturday prayer gathering. And I kept praying, Lord, leave us astounded. Lord, I just want you to leave us amazed. Leave us astounded. When we walk out of this place, it's like our jaw is laying on the ground because we just cannot believe what we witnessed, all the goodness and the mercy and everything. I want us to experience some weird stuff this year. You know what weird stuff does? Weird stuff makes people talk. You want to draw a crowd? Let somebody get healed. And the unbelievers will want to come and see about it. 
It's all throughout Scripture. When Jesus, this, this is one way that, that Jesus kept bringing people to the cross. He'd perform a miracle, and thousands of people would be added to the church. They would just come, and they would look. It, it kept drawing the unbeliever. I want some crazy stuff to be happening around uh, you and I and our families and the church. And this morning, I'm going to start out very basic. Look at your neighbor and say, he's so basic. He's so basic today. I'm going to be so basic. I'm going to be so basic today. Trust me. Uh, so if you may think, oh, this, this is nothing new. Uh, I, I, I'm being so basic because last year, 135 people being saved and our attendance going up per Sunday like 100 people in a year. Uh, so whenever I, as a pastor and a leader and I look at the numbers, uh, it, it, it leaves me believing, it leaves me uh, thinking uh, that we have a lot of new Christians, which is just so exciting. And we have a lot of new people in the church. A lot of people have never really experienced our style of worship and our style of preaching and teaching. And to some, it is drawing them, but they may not understand. So I'm going to lay just some basic foundations for you uh, today. And I want you to open up your word with me, and I want you to follow everything with me because I don't want to assume anything, but I want everyone to leave this place and understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to understand why he came and why he is here and why it is for you. If you open up your Bible, in the New Testament, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those, I'm, I'm, I'm just walking through a timeline with you today. Those are called the Gospels, and they tell about the real life and the real ministry of Jesus Christ. They, the, they talk about when he was walking and, and ministering here on earth. And whenever he got to the point in his ministry, his ministry started, he took up 12 guys, and those men were called disciples. Uh, and he began to disciple them. He took them through a, a three-year a three year and a half-year journey with him of teaching them. Uh, if you look at the word disciple, the root word is discipline. He was bringing discipline to the people into their life. He was, he was making them wake up at certain times, pray and, 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 and seek him and be with him in the garden and walk with him and talk with him. He was in this process of bringing discipline into their life. He, and he told them, not only do I want you to be a disciple, but I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. He said, I want you to go and I want you to bring discipline to every person. I want you to disciple them. I want you to bring discipline to them. Does anyone wish they would come to your house and get your kids for you? He said, I want you to discipline every person that's around you. I want you, I want you, to, I want you to get them on the same schedule and believing the same and seeing the same things that we are. Go and make disciplined people because it's a process. And whenever you are a disciple, whenever we are disciplined, it's not just a title, but whenever you are a disciple, you not only know how to lead, but you know how to follow. Amen. You know when to speak and you know when to hold your tongue. You know when to work with excellence. You know how to behave. You know how to be a witness. You know how to be a light in times of darkness. So Jesus takes these 12 guys and goes on this three, three and a half year journey with them and he turns them into disciples so they can go and make disciples and then one day Jesus is teaching to them and he looks at them and tells them guess what boys I'm getting ready to leave I'm going away because in a short amount of time I will no longer 
be here with you. I will no longer be here with you. He said, look, this is what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to go on the cross. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die on the cross. They're going to put me in a tomb. I will resurrect. And whenever I get up out of the grave, he said, I'm going to be with my father in heaven. And when I get to my father in heaven, I will be seated at the, his right hand and I will be inter interceding for you. I just mentioned that earlier. He said, I'm going to be interceding on your behalf behalf. You need to understand that and get that in your spirit today, that there is someone that is praying for you on your behalf 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is calling out your name. He is, he is praying for you. He is interceding for you. He is, he, is, he is calling on you, and if you are one of those people who feel like, you know what, I have no one that checks on me. No one cares about me. No one knows what I'm going through. I want you to take heart today and do not worry because Jesus Christ knows all about you and he is praying for you and your name is coming out of his mouth this morning. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. So that means we have to go through Jesus to get to God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man goes through the Father except what? By me. You've got to go through me to get to the Father. So that is whenever you pray, that's why we pray in Jesus' name. Why? Because we are getting to the Father. Jesus said, in my name, what should you do? You will heal the sick. What, in my name? You will cast out demons. If you want it done. You need to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been somewhere where you had to name drop, where you used somebody else's name to get you into a circle that your own name could not get you in? Have you ever have you ever been in a circle where you're like, uh, uh, I know, uh, ha, ha, have you ever met my uncle? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm the president's fourth cousin removed. Uh, have you ever had to get somewhere where you wanted access to something, you wanted VIP treatment, you wanted behind the stage access, but you had to use somebody else's name to get you into the circle because your own name could not get you there. If you are one of those people, you may be a name dropper, constantly just telling everybody who you know and, and dropping names to get somewhere that your name cannot take you. Uh, I, I can't stand being around name droppers, but listen, if you ever feel like you need to drop a name, you better drop the name of Jesus. Christ. You better tell people, guess what? He's my Savior. I don't know if you know him or not, but let me tell you what he can do for you. He walked on the water. He turned water into wine. And guess what? He's still moving today. If you ever have a need just to drop a name, I would encourage you just to say Jesus Christ. Because if you want to get the attention of God, just say Jesus Christ. You will get the attention of heaven. Why? Because he has a name that is above every other name. Amen. And at his name, guess what? Every knee still will bow and every tongue still will confess. At his name, demons start trembling. Can I get an amen this morning? That's why this year you've got to learn to pray in his name. You've got to learn to speak in his name. You've got to learn to teach in his name. You've got to learn to walk in his name. You've got to learn to cry out in his name. You've got to learn to lay hands on the sick in his name. He's calling to the church and he takes these 12 guys I'm going away. I'll no longer be with you, but I'm going to be in you. Hmm. I'm no longer going to be beside you, 
but I'm going to be in you. He said, I, Jesus Christ, am going to be with my Father. We talked about the meaning of his name a few weeks ago. Jesus Christ. Jesus is his first name. Christ is not his last name. He said, I, Jesus Christ, am going to be with my Father. We talked about this whenever I was, whenever I was mentioning it. Jesus is his name. Christ means the anointing or the anointed one. He said, I, Jesus, am going back to be with my Father, but I'm going to leave the Christ here with you. I'm going to leave my anointing here with you. So y'all need to go up and get about 120 people or so, get up in the upper room, and that thing that was on me is about to get on you. That thing that was helping me is about to help you. The thing that filled me is about to fill you. And he said, I know you feel like everything's going to fall apart whenever I leave, but do not worry because greater works shall you do when I go to my Father in heaven. And when I go to my Father in heaven, don't worry. Miracles are not going to stop. He said, but they're actually going to multiply because when I leave the Christ for you and you 12 go up with the 120 and those 120 go out into the multitudes he said guess what my, the Christ my spirit is going to start getting all over billions of people throughout time he said whenever I leave don't worry but miracles are about to multiply in that moment everything shifted Everything moved. When Christ died on the cross and was, and, and, and was resurrected, the world shifted. Fifty days after that, the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes down. Guess what? The whole world shifts again. All of a sudden, these 12 uh, disciples, all of a sudden, they start to become apostles. And you see them in their works. You see them writing. We see Luke's writing, in a, uh, and you see his writing kind of divided into two books. A lot of people feel that it's really one book, Luke. Luke Acts. He wrote Luke and Acts. And whenever he's writing about this, he's writing about one book is about his time as a disciple. And his other book is about his time as an apostle. In other words, what he was talking about, in the first book I was being trained, but in the second book I was in charge. One minute I'm being trained, the next minute I'm being charged because his spirit is upon me. And Luke starts to write the book of Acts, which is actually a book of the Acts of the apostles. It's not so much about what Jesus is doing, but it's about these 12 ordinary guys that now is walking around with Jesus' power on earth after they were discipled. And in Acts chapter 19, is he's writing, I want to read this. He said, and it happened. I want you to follow along with me. While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, Paul was this outsider. He was an outsider apostle because he was not a part of the original 12. Although he wrote half of the New Testament, and when you read his words, you can see at times, it's like he's trying to build credibility for himself. He wasn't accepted by some, but God still used him and gave him half of the New Testament. But and all this is because before he was actually saved and delivered, he was actually a persecutor of Christians and literally killed thousands of Christians that were worshiping the Lord.
And one day on the road to Damascus, God literally knocked him off of his horse. And he looks up and says, who are you Lord, and a lot of people ask, look, if he hated Christ, he hated the Lord, why would he look up and call him Lord? And the answer is because when somebody knocks you off your horse, you call them Lord. I believe this is where knocking off your high horse came from. It was very humbling, and he looked up and said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord Jesus responds to him and said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now, this is a, you need to jot this down for just for your notes because this is so important to remember. Here, he had never seen Jesus. He had never persecuted Jesus to his face. But he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Listen, this is why you do not talk about, gossip about, or put your hand on God's people. Because whenever you talk about God's people, you're actually talking about the Lord. Can I get an amen? He said, he said, you've actually been persecuting me. And Paul's life was radically changed in the moment. And he went away for years and he studied. And look what happened to him, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, some people who had some discipline, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much even as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Hmm. That sentence right there is a large percentage of the American church. I've not even heard of it. What is the Holy Spirit? Is it really a ghost? What is it? I've heard of it, but I thought it was something of of old. I didn't, I didn't know he was still moving. I didn't know he was still doing stuff. And he said to them, verse 3, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. If you remember John the Baptist, he was a crazy guy, crazy hair. He dressed crazy. He came and was telling everyone to repent because the kingdom was drawing nigh. And they were saying that we got baptized into repentance. We've been saved, but, but we've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in verse 4, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him that is on Christ. And when they heard this, listen, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands on them. Hmm. This is where we get the laying on of hands. I'll hear some people say, you better watch going to that legacy church. They'll, they'll lay them hands on you over there. They'll touch you. I don't, I don't like being touched. There's power in agreement. There's power in the laying on of hands. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they began to prophesy. I want to break this down because prophecy is not fortune telling. Prophecy is not reading palms. Prophecy is not reading cards. It's not making sure that the stars and your rocks and your crystals are, are, are all aligning. It has nothing to do with that. But whenever you look at the word prophesy, it means to set forth a matter, to, to, to set it forth. When the Holy Spirit 
came upon them, they started taking the matters of their life and setting it forth. What does that matter? What, what, what does that mean? They started, ta- they started dictating their life instead of their life dictating them. Most of us spend more time responding to life than we do setting forth the matters of life. What does that mean? What does it mean? If you can hear me today, if you're watching live stream, listening on podcasts throughout the week, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the power to prophesy. And that means that whenever you get up in the morning, you have the power to take your day and set it forth. You have a power to take your day and say, look, devil, you're not going to win today. This is the way that my day is going. You have the power to just say, to say, I declare that my house is going to be in order today. I declare chaos is moving out of my house today. I declare that my marriage will survive today. I am decreeing and declaring that my kids will be saved. My legacy will be saved. They will raise, they will be raised up to fear the Lord. You are saying today I plead the blood of Jesus over my house because the gates of hell cannot prevail against my household. You whenever you get up in the morning, you are declaring that there are angels all around your house. And sometimes we are a people that like to chase prophets because we want people to speak something for us. But sometimes you got to prophesy to yourself and look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? Today I am blessed. Today I will be the head and I will not be the tail. Today I'll be blessed when I come and when I go. Today, guess what? I'm going to be blessed in the city. I'll be blessed in the field. Wherever I go, guess what? Goodness and mercy are going to follow me today because I'm tired of the devil telling me how my day's going to go. you got to prophesy. you got to set it forth. And when you set it forth, you move the devil out of the way. That's the power of the supernatural. He said, I've given you this gift. And in verse 11, Skip a few verses to verse 11. It said, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even, listen, handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. This is where we get prayer cloths. They cut up his apron and he would pray over it. And the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. You're talking about some power. Verse 13, then some, you need to listen to this. This is good. Some of the Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. It ain't my Jesus, but it looks like he can do something. So in the name of Paul's Jesus, come out of him. Here are a bunch of Jewish priests. They do not believe in Jesus himself. They do not believe that he is the Messiah. But they are attracted to the power. 
Let me tell you something. The greatest church growth plan is not music. It's not good preaching. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when the power starts to move, you will find people saying, what in the world is happening over there? You want people to talk about you? Let some fire start burning in the altar. You want people to start talking about your church? Let a lame man get up and start walking and say, the Lord just healed me. You want to grow your church? Let miracles start happening in your church. They were attracted to the power. So they're walking around to these demon-possessed people, and they are saying, we cast you out in the name of his Jesus. Funny. But how many times do we do that? I cast you out in the name of Granny's Jesus. She could pray. I hadn't prayed in years. So Granny, help me out. And this verse, this should make some of you put your feet under the chair. And the Spirit, in verse 15, answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? I know Jesus. I know Brother Paul. He was Saul. Had a little thing on Damascus Road. Now he's all high and mighty. Doing these miracles. I know Jesus. And I know Paul, but I ain't never heard of you. It was a southern demon. We got our own. Come on, somebody. All them Yankee demons, you stay away. Ours are rough enough. I ain't never heard of you. The question I have, I wonder today if hell knows who you are. When you speak, does the devil start to tremble? When you say, devil, get behind me. Does he laugh or is he like, oh my gosh, something is about to happen. You, I wonder how many demons are trembling when they hear you. Or are they just like, I don't even know who you are. When I speak, I want mountains to move. When I speak, I want seas to split open. When I speak, I want to walk through on dry ground. I don't know about you, but when I get together on Saturday, I pray that whenever we're praying in here on a Saturday and the fire is falling, I pray demons are running out of this place and they are trembling. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus and we are acting in the Spirit. But who are you? I know your granny, but I don't know you. I know your mama and your daddy. What's your name? I don't even know your voice. And in verse 16, the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, got onto the priest, hmm. overpowered the priest, Hmm. and prevailed against the priest. Why are there so many men and women of the cloth that are falling? They are out from under the Holy Spirit. 
You want to know, whenever you start thinking, I'm too good, I look at where I am. I just wrote a book. I don't need the Lord. Whenever you get out from under the oil of the Holy Ghost, you are stepping into a territory where the devil will snatch you up. And he overtook these priests. Then the men in whom leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You better be careful messing around with people with evil spirits. It is a reality. Demons and evil spirits are not something just of biblical time. You walk around people every day that have evil spirits, and you better be careful interacting with them, and you're all single and ready to mingle. I'm telling you right now, you better be careful, because if you don't have the Holy Spirit on you, it will do something in you. It will take everything you have and leave you with nothing and leave you wounded. And 17 says, this became known by both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic. Satanic rituals brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them. And if it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, or it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver back in the day, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and it prevailed. Let me take just a couple of minutes before we leave today and just give you some basics. I want you to understand that this guy in this passage, Paul, there's evidence in the word that Paul was not the greatest preacher. In one of his stories, Paul is in an upstairs room and he's preaching and there's a man that's sitting in the second story window and while Paul is preaching the word, the man falls asleep and falls out of the window to the ground and dies. Let me tell you something. When you literally preach somebody to death, you are a boring preacher. You may take a nap in here, but I pray you don't die in here. But get this. Although his preaching was not the most charismatic, Although his preaching was not the hottest in town, he walked down those stairs that day to the body that was lying on the ground. And the word says that he laid his hands on that boy and raised him up from the dead. He wasn't charismatic enough to keep him awake, but he was powerful enough to raise that boy from the dead that day. People were thrown off by his appearance. When I get to heaven, I want to meet him. Theologians in the Word said that he was bald. We got to stick together. His preaching wasn't great. His 
he was in the word, like his appearance. I believe it's in I believe it's in Isaiah. I believe it talks about his appearance being uh, uh, his, his appearance was a little weird, but his words carried great weight. And whenever he picked up a pen, you better watch out because whenever Paul would begin to write, guess what? It would change lives. It would change marriages. He would revolutionize entire communities and churches. And although his looks were not in his favor, although his preaching was not top tier, although the word says, guess what? The word says that whenever he would walk by and his shadow would fall on people, the sick people would get healed just because the power in his shadow. People wanted to touch things that he had touched. They wanted prayer cloths to take back to sick loved ones and put in their bed and they would wake up and the lame would begin to leap. In other words, everyone is not anointed to do everything. What are you anointed to do? And you need to understand this year you need to find out what you are anointed to do and just do it. Tell your neighbor, just do it. You need to find out. Ben, help me out. No one is anointed to do everything. If you think you've got all spiritual gifts and you're anointed to do everything, let me bust your bubble this morning. No. No. You've not been anointed to do everything. We are a part of the body. Somebody's got to be the fingers. Somebody's got to be the arms. Somebody's got to be the mouth. Somebody's got to be the back. We all are anointed to do different things. There are some people in life that feel like they are just drowning in a sea of normal, common, basic, vanilla, Your vanilla life. Nothing spicy ever happens to you. No chocolate ever comes in your life. Just vanilla. You're just like, I'm just so basic. So common. What could the Lord do through me? Just basic. And you drowned in that where you feel like I don't, I don't have a prestigious pedigree. My, you know, my parents were not pastors and I don't have a certain degree. I didn't go to seminary and I've, I've never read the Bible through and I don't have a certain last name and I don't know this person or that person. I have no names to even be dropping. And all of a sudden you feel like there's nothing I can do in this thing called life. But you need to understand that if you are one of those people, you're just basic. You're just common. Nothing good. You're not going to you're just, you're just average. Guess what? We are all just average. And you feel like there's nothing really good. Nobody wants to write home about you about anything. Guess what? You are the prime candidate for the Holy Spirit to get inside of you and use you to shake up a school, use you to shake up a city, use you to set fire to a nation. God gets the glory. When he takes a basic person and uses a common person to do an uncommon thing because common people, they realize 
it was the Lord who did it. I know I got up and talked, but let me tell you something. It was the Lord that was speaking through me. You don't know how introverted I am. You don't know what you don't know that you don't know that I quit in ninth grade. You don't know that I got a you, you don't know that I don't, I don't even have a GED. You you don't know where I've been. Common people give praise to the Lord. And the Lord loves to use common people. He will always use the ordinary. He will always use the ordinary. He don't use people with pedigrees. He don't use people whose parents are rich and famous. Those are not the only people that the Lord will use because those people will take credit for. Well, you do know I went to an Ivy League school. You do know where I'm from. No, God is looking for somebody that is so common. God is looking for the ordinary somebody because when, when people see God use ordinary people they look and they think Lord I had that kid in sixth grade in my class he was a holy terror if he's winning people to the Lord I know it must be the Lord God is looking for the common person to put the supernatural into to bring him glory if you want to be using supernatural acts of God you've got to realize I ain't all that I need the Lord I need the Spirit. God is looking for young men. He's looking for young women in this hour to set forth, to, do, to take the ordinary people and give them something extraordinary in their hands. God is looking for ordinary men and women, retired. You feel like you, feel like you have gone past your prime. Guess what? You still got a purpose. God wants to take your ordinary day and put something extraordinary in it. I was asking first service, what is it about? Have you ever heard two people sing and one person has had just extravagant teachers and vocal training, extensive training, and then the other sister, we used to call each other sister back in the day, gets up, she's country, don't even know how to read music, and whenever the distinguished person that's had excessive training, she sings and people, that was great. But then you got country Pam over here. Never had training. But when she opens up her mouth, people ain't sitting there. They got to get down the aisles and start dancing. You want to know what the difference is? It's the anointing. What's the difference between two pastors? They're preaching the same thing. They've got the same text. And one, it's like nobody's, people are falling out the windows asleep. Nothing's happening. The, nobody's learning. Nobody's laughing. The joy's just sucked out of the room. But then somebody else gets up there, and they're using the same text. And it's like the glory falls, and people walk out and say, whoop, I've been in the presence of the Lord. What's the difference? It's the anointing. And God is looking for somebody what was the difference between little David and his brothers? Samuel came and is looking for the next king and went through the house, went through the lineage from oldest to youngest and is looking and finally looks at Jesse, the daddy. He's like, none of these people are striking and none of these people are... He ain't in a hoot. Something's not right. Do you have any? Are there, are, are there any more? And then Jesse said, well, there's one more, but... Surely not. God is looking for the surely nots. 
the one that everybody else threw to the streets, the one that nobody else believed in, the one that your mama left you, your daddy left you, your first husband left you, your girlfriend left you. God is looking for somebody ordinary, somebody that somebody, somebody don't have a degree, somebody that, that don't, they, they, they can't even quote many scriptures. God is looking for you today because he's got the spirit in you. Stand with me. I've used this morning to set up the next week or so. Listen, Jesus came in to take the sin out. And it doesn't stop there. But he came and took the sin out so the Holy Spirit could come in you. Because the Holy Ghost cannot dwell in an unclean temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are supposed to be holding like a vessel of the Holy Spirit. But if you never acknowledge Him, if you never address Him, if you never communicate with Him, if you never develop Him, if you never just stand up and say, Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. If you never activate him in your life, you'll never know what he can do for you. And that's what these next few weeks are going to be about. Just ordinary people and an extraordinary supernatural God and what God can do.